Quartermaster Mike. And I'm first mate Meredith. We meet every week at our clubhouse that we like to call the Dalmatian Station. Bark! Bark! To talk about our favorite animals. What we lack in expertise, we make up for an unbridled enthusiasm and childlike wonder. Wow. So saddle up that miniature horse and hold on tight for the furriest, fin-filled, and feathered podcast in all of the kingdom animalia. Quartermaster Mike! Well, hey there, first mate Meredith. <laughs> Welcome to the clubhouse. Thanks. It's great to be here. We made it. We made it. Yeah, I'm very excited. Yeah. Let's get a few things out of the way, Meredith. I think we must. <laughs> Are you an animal expert? I am by no means an animal expert, but I am by all means an animal fan. I am also not an expert in animals, but I am also a fan of animals. So I think we're in the right place. I think we found the right place. Our goal in doing this is to learn more about animals, right? Yeah. It's just like kind of a, a throwback to the show and tell of our of our early days. Yeah, we missed doing book reports on creatures. Yes. We haven't I don't think either one of us has done that in a while. Yeah, it has definitely been a bit. I might have had to do it in high school in like environmental science or something. I mean, I would generally say you are more scholarly than I am. You certainly have read more than I have read. <laughs> I don't know. So Meredith and I are both, hello, listener. <laughs> um, Meredith and I are both musicians. We met in music school. Yes. And so Meredith is a musicologist, which means that she studies musical history and all mm -hmm. things in, put things in historical context. She like knows why people wrote things, when they wrote it, how they wrote it. Yeah. And Mike bangs on things, but very well. And he bangs on a lot of things and he knows how to bang on them just right. So they sound extra great. Mike is a professional musician. He's a percussionist. Yes. I play drums and percussion and all things, all manner of things that you hit. Neither one of us works with animals. I have science training, but I don't really use it. And it's like in physics. And yeah. Like, I don't, it doesn't really apply i know people that are into biology and know things about chemistry and biology i'm related to some of them same z's i think that makes me even less of an expert so <laughs> we just want to talk about animals yes in the most low pressure but the most fun way possible yeah and i would also go on to say that Meredith and I always have a really nice time together and we seem to always kind of like find our little corner of the room and <laughs> we just have the best time ever. And so um, we were looking for something to do together, an outlet. And here we are. I mean, I'm entertained by our conversations. So hopefully you Likewise. are too, right? <laughs> Stranger in the, in the dark <laughs> with your headphones. Why did I just remember a Barry Manilow song that I sang in choir? It was like, one voice, one little voice out in the darkness. That's you, listener. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. Yeah. Well, great. Okay. So I guess let's get to our first segment. Yes. Um, 
I think you're going to take this first one, right, Mary? Yes. Okay. Should well, we just kick it off with the old taxonomy cheer? Welcome to Glossary, where we elucidate perplexing terminology left unclear in the epi. That's an abrief for episode. Taxonomic rank is a system of organizing animals. The principal ranks in modern use are domain, kingdom, phylum, class, order, family, genus, and species. The Swedish botanist Carl Linnaeus is regarded as the founder of the current system of taxonomy, as he developed a system known as Linnaean taxonomy for categorizing organisms and binomial nomenclature for naming organisms. We return to today's epi already in progress. I think you're going to take this first one, right, Mary? Yes. Okay. Should we just kick it off with the old taxonomy cheer? Taxona you. Taxona we. Taxona who? Taxona me. Kingdom. Animalia. That means animals. Phylum. Chordata. Spines up their backs. Class. Aves. Wings, wings, wings. Order. Columbiforms. Pigeons and doves. Family. Columbidae. Genus. Ectopistes. Species. Ectopistes migratorius. That means passenger pigeon. They're extinct. So I'm starting things off real weird because I'm actually talking about an animal that's no longer with us. Oh, no. They went bye-bye. They actually went bye-bye in the early 20th century, um, 1914. 1914. Was that the year of the Titanic? Or no, that was the year of the start of World War I. Yes, exactly. That was indeed the year of the start of World War I. Oh, my God. Am I drunk? The year of the start of World War I. I'm not drunk. (laughs) The Titanic was like 1911 or something. I honestly don't remember. Before the war. Okay. I believe so. Yeah. I know more about wars than about big ships. I know more about ships than about wars. Well, aren't we a perfect pair? Sure are. (laughs) Okay. So you want to talk about passenger pigeons? Yeah, go for it. Take me on a pigeon journey. I I would love nothing more. All right. So passenger pigeons. Um, kind of interesting because, and the reason I wanted to talk about them is because their extinction one was one of the first uh, extinctions caused by man, or at least one of the most like widely known um, and the most widely felt. And also it's important because it was because of this extinction that we became aware as humans that we have the power to wipe an entire species off the face of the planet. Right. And um, so this there, the extinction of the passenger pigeon um, sparked the modern conservation movement as we know it today. So this is kind of an important touchstone, I think, for how we um, are educated about animals and the importance that they bring in our lives and the importance of preserving species across the planet. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So as far as what passenger pigeons would have looked like, they um, probably their closest visual analog would be the morning dove. Do you know the morning dove, Mike? I, I um, there's a vibraphone piece called the morning dove sonnet that like no. everybody plays where you like you like hit it and then you like push this like plastic mallet on it and uh-huh. bends the pitch and you got to hit these little tiny violin bows and like hold them like in your pinkies. And <laughs> um, it's really cute. So I guess I would I think of the vibraphone, but I don't really know much else about the morning doves so you probably know what they sound like because they're kind of everywhere 
they're that like whoo that one. Yeah, they go whoo whoo whoo. But they just look they look very similar to pigeons. They're like pigeons, but they look a little more dainty, I think. Sure. Or they look like urban pigeons as we know them. Um like kind of like that gray. Yeah. Kind of gray. But um passenger pigeons actually are not very closely related to the morning dove other than by looks. Oh. Yeah. They're more closely related to the band-tailed pigeon, the largest pigeon in North America, but <laughs> that's for another episode. Jesus. Uh, <laughs> so many pigeons. I know. They're everywhere, and I love it. Um, I happen to love pigeons, which will probably come up a lot on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, I really don't like pigeons. I think they're kind of... I mean, we, we live in New York City, and... Um, it's just that they're like violent here. You know, they have like, they like roll up and they have like their leather like vest with all this, <laughs> like the pins and like the studs yeah. in it. And they have so- like a mohawk and they have like <laughs> one red eye and like one yellow yeah. eye. And like they're just like hanging out of their beak is like the shred of a funion, you know, that they like. <laughs> recovered from the banks of the East River. You know, like, they're just they're just rough. But that's why I love them. They are scrappy as fuck. Like, you'll see one walking down the street, like, no big deal. But, like, one, one talon is completely, like, wizened up. <laughs> it's insane. Or they'll be, like, missing a leg or, you know, they just look really scruffy. I love them. I just... And they're also very beautiful and very smart as right. well. Well, they kind of got to be pretty right i mean like i i feel like it's a tricky thing to navigate and they've kind of figured it out yeah they're everywhere here at least right they are adaptable if nothing else but not your guys your guys were wiped out yeah they were super wiped (laughs) out um and so the reason for that is kind of interesting it's pretty ironic actually so the funny thing about the passenger pigeon and the fact that they became extinct actually fairly quickly is that they were at one point the most numerous bird in North America, if not the world. We're talking like 5 billion at some point. And to the point where they would just darken the skies for like days, even weeks on end, the flocks would be so extreme. And that's kind of where the name passenger pigeon comes from. It's not that they're like riding on planes or in buggies or whatever. They are migratory birds by nature flocking flocking birds but passenger comes from the verb passager in french which means to like passively move by i see yeah so that's i mean that's the etymology of the name but i do want to read this quote from a famous conservationist named aldo leopold writer of the sand county almanac to any of you AP environmental science students out there. Let me find this. Okay. So this was written in the mid 19th century. Quote, children screamed and ran for home. Women gathered their long skirts and hurried for the shelter of stores. Horses bolted. A few people mumbled frightened words about the approach of the millennium and several dropped on their knees and prayed. When the flock had passed over two hours later, The town looked ghostly in the now bright sunlight that illuminated a world plated with pigeon ejecta. (laughs) I want to start calling my poop ejecta. I mean, a rose by any other name, right? You know? (laughs) Would taste just as sweet. Yeah, that's gross. You said said 
four billion? Is that what you said? Yeah, you said four to five about, billion. Isn't that crazy? I think that's the age of the Earth in years, approximately. <laughs> yeah. It's also like a billion. There's been a lot of controversy on the internet about exactly how much one billion is lately. I don't know if you've noticed this. I, I've noticed this. Oh, People gross. say a billion is a million million, and it's not. It's a thousand million. Yeah. And like, if you don't believe me, you can look it up on the internet yourself. And like, you know, but. That's still a lot, you know, like, I don't know how many people are on the planet right now. Isn't it around there? It might be a little more. It's probably way higher than that. There's it's not, we're not into like double digit billions, but. Yeah. I think it's a lot though. I think it's about that. I think it's like six or seven or maybe yeah. eight billion by now. Right. I don't remember. So just to, well. It's I mean, a lot of pigeons It's though. a lot of fucking birds. And like, they're all just like <laughs> flapping around and like the I don't know. It just sounds like um, it sounds like the Hitchcock movie. The yeah. Birds. And it, it also reminds me of, like blacking out the sky, like the comet, you know, that uh -huh. came for the dinosaurs. Yeah. Like, ugh, gross. Terrifying. And I mean, it would be like a rain of poo <laughs> if there's that many and it's that sustained. Poopy be rain. Poopy <laughs> rain. <laughs> Only want to see. In, in the poopy rain. rain. <laughs> <laughs> standing. I think she's standing in the poopy rain. I don't know. I never know the words. Oh, good Lord. Genius. Um, <laughs> so moving from this just great, vast population of birds to extinction. Like, how the heck did this happen? It was because there were just so many of them and they were so fucking easy to take out and to kill like people would just you know like light up of course they'd like roost in these trees people would just light up the tree and it would just engulf the tree and all the pigeons or you could swing a stick through the air and take out a bunch that way or you could indiscriminately shoot a rifle into the sky and take down like seven birds just from aiming at nothing so they were just very easy to take out I'm surprised that it's not like more like loss of habitat, you know, to like. There was some of that as well, especially as like um, the railroads were extended more extensively further west. Oh. So there was a lot of deforestation that happened. So there was some of that. So a little bit of Thomas the Tank Engine to blame. Exactly. Thomas, I love you, but in this context, how could you? So why were people just killing these pigeons just because they were like, a, like, were they a nuisance? Like what was going on with them? Well, they were an easy source of food. Oh, an abundant and cheap and easy source of food. Um, funny story. I would have never thought that you could eat pigeons or I would have never thought to because I do love them so much. But I was stuck talking to this woman in a bar once and I mentioned that I love pigeons and then she just kind of under her breath goes, you know, they're tasty, right? I was like, <laughs> I just poured my heart of love out to you for this bird. And she's like, well, you got to salt it and then you let <laughs> it sit for a while. And then you're just going to cover it in olive oil and just like get some bay leaves and some sage and thyme and just whatever herbs you want. You're really, really elevating this person. I think she's just more of a ranch dressing gal. <laughs> she, <laughs> she's like, oh, at the Candlepin Bowling Alley, they sell pigeon, <laughs> pigeon tenders. Pigeon tenders. 
That's like a total, that would be a Wisconsin thing. You know it. You know, it'd just be like, oh, dude, no, pigeon tenders, man. Oh, pigeon tenders. Oh, they make the ranch right there. (laughs) Oh, my God. Bowling Alley Ranch, I bet, is delicious. Yeah, Harvey milks those cows and he makes that dressing himself. Ew. I don't know. I do. Uh, I love the northern Midwest. It's like my favorite. You know, they're like Great Lakes people. They're Midwest people. They're my kind of people. I get that. I get it. Um, yeah. So I don't know that I need to say much more other than let's just talk about the great stars of the passenger pigeon. Um, famous. The famous pigeons of history. Yes. Herstory. Famous. Of- pig- and herstory indeed. Oh. Because the... Last known passenger pigeon, her name was Martha. Martha. And as I Martha. said before, she passed away in 1914. Right. And at the Cincinnati Zoo, at the ripe old age of 29. And she, at this point, was like blind. She was riddled with ticks and addled by palsy. Ugh. And she just didn't do much. But you know what? The city of Cincinnati has really memorialized her, and I kind of grew up knowing about her because there's a statue at the zoo. Oh. There's murals painted on the sides of buildings downtown. She's like pop culturally famous. Like yeah. everybody in Cincinnati knows about Martha the Pigeon. Well, everybody who is worth their Cincinnati salt, yes. Their chili salt. <laughs> their chili salt. Anyone who's worth their skyline knows about Martha. Um, so yeah, that is the saga of the passenger pigeon. Well, I think that's a really great saga. Um, minus the death. Minus all the death. (laughs) Yeah. It's a shame they're not still around. Well, there are efforts to, um, bring them back, but the downside of this would be that, I mean, pigeons, as we know, are highly, highly adaptable. And so at this point in history, 1914, there weren't you know, commercial airlines. So just imagine what flocks that large, granted they would get that big again, what they would do to airplanes. Right. And also it's kind of like an ethically weird thing because essentially what they're doing is taking the closest uh, relative, the band-tailed pigeon, and trying to recode their DNA with some... um, I'm not really sure how it works. With some science. They're going to take some science. And and they're they're going to mix it with this. Take the DNA and they're going to mix them together. And then they're going to, they are, people are trying to revive the species, but I am on the fence as to whether or not that's a great idea. Because life has moved on. Well, I mean, I don't know if we've learned anything from Jurassic Park. It's that, you know, life finds a way. Yeah. And, uh, I, it would probably, I mean, I don't know. They're already like, we got enough pigeons. That's, we do. That's have, my opinion. You yeah. Know? We do have a lot of pigeons. I don't know that we need any more of them, but I do love them and I do want them to be happy and be fruitful and be successful as a species. Fair? I mean, we're Can I get an all amen? allowed to have our opinions. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> this is a safe clubhouse. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm, you know. I don't know if I'm anti-pigeon, but I'm just pigeon-weary, I okay. guess. Okay, that's fair. I think any any city dweller is probably a little pigeon-weary. Yeah. Well, great. Well, why don't we um, just take our first break, Yeah. Though? Hey, Drumble Teaser. What's up, Mongo Jenny? I've really been dropping the ball and waking my human up at 5 a.m., 
I've just been going hard on that catnip and can't wake up from the catnip-induced catnap of cat angels. Well, Mongo Jenny, I used to have that same problem until I got the brand new brand clubby cat alarm clock. Me? Wow! Tell me more, Drumble Teaser! It uses patented cat waking technology to get you off whatever unlikely surface you've turned into a bed. But my human works different hours every day. Do I have to keep setting my clock? That feels like something I'll forget to do. That's why it includes a custom Bluetooth system that syncs with your human's alarm clock automatically, setting the brand Clubby Cat alarm clock a full two hours before theirs, so you're sure to ruin their day every day. It's a catnap fantasy come true in the real world. It sure is. Now my owner will spend even more time on the hate end of our love-hate relationship. That's true. You want to do our patented cartwheel and get out of here? Meow, meow. So I've been on the east side a lot. I've been like on the upper east side, which is like a very nice. It's a very affluent area. It's expensive to live there. Yes. So like things are fancy, you know, Mm -hmm. and I saw this man walking and he was wearing like a blue polo and it was tucked into like those kind of light gray, like dockery type pants, you know, with like a belt. Yeah. And like sneakers. This was at like eight in the morning. Okay. And he had his two, he had two dogs with him. And I don't even know the breed. They were like spaniel, like schnauzer size. Okay. You know? And so their, their back was like cut very, very short, but then the hair was long starting like around like mid, you know, they looked kind of like show dogs, you know? Yeah. They might have been terriers. They might have been some kind of terrier. That would be my best guess. Okay. And like one was like a solid gray. Okay. Right. And the other one was giving like it was white, but it was, you know, more like maybe mother of pearl, (laughs) you know, maybe like an opal, you know, not quite like a pure like as the driven snow, (laughs) like white dog. Right. And they were walking with such poise at, you know, eight in the morning when I'm not awake yet. Yeah, right? I can't and like, say that. What am I even doing like out at all, let alone like on the east side <laughs> at eight in the morning, you know, right? And I was so impressed and so inspired by their poise and elegance. And yet it made me feel like so, I don't know, inadequate in this, you know, big city hustle. Yeah. That it just um, it was just a flurry of emotions. And I guess I wanted to share that. Wow. So some dogs really um made you think about some things, like reflect on yourself? Yeah. Well, I guess I just wanted to be more like them. I get all. And they were like alert. They were like looking around and they were like ready to like, you know, cross the avenue. And they were just kind of like waiting for the traffic and like kind of just like looking around. And they like definitely knew what was up. Did they have those stubby tails? That look like little wieners. They had a demi stubby tail. <laughs> you know, the ones that aren't like, they're not like nubbins, like yeah. the one inchers. This was like maybe a good like two, two and a half inch, if I'm remembering correctly. But okay. Again, it was blurry, you know. Yeah. It was, it was eight in the morning, honey. Eight in the morning. Yeah. Wow. They sound gorgeous. Yeah. But I am confused about the like no pants look. Because you said they like were shit. 
They had oh, no, short no, no. hair. So they had like short hair on the top, but then they had like longer hair, like kind of starting down. Oh, like starting down here. Yeah. Okay. I gotcha. You I thought kn- they were giving like the Porky Pig, like a shirt, a no little shorts. bit. Yeah, the Winnie the Pooh. No, thing. they were. No. Kind, it was more like um, they looked more like uh, what do you call that thing that goes around the bed that like covers it, like the. You a dust ruffle. A dust ruffle. They yeah. were. They looked more like a doggy dust ruffle. <laughs> oh, I love that. That's really okay. That completely changes my image. Because I was like, okay, Mike, I'm, I'm I'm on board with that. You don't have to wear pants at eight in the morning. That's okay. No, I was wearing. Well, I was probably wearing gym shorts. Yeah, it's hot. That's fine. It's hot. It's city. Hot out. Yeah. It's um, they sound gorgeous. They were beautiful, and like I said, very poised. That was really my takeaway. God bless. Well, they are Upper East Side dogs. Yeah. Reminds me of the like snooty dogs that they in uh, Lady and the Tramp. There was like one like they were showing all these different kinds of dogs at one point. And there was like one like really snooty one walked by like a really snooty lady. What is your animal encounter, Meredith? So this is a little unorthodox, but it's just the first thing that popped into my head. And I can't stop laughing about it or thinking about it. Um, I guess those two things go hand in hand. So Anthony and I were at our favorite bar the other night and we happened to sit down next to this guy who I have had a previous encounter with at a bar. I think he just likes to go out around (gasps) where we live. Um, His name is... (gasps) He is from... And he is, I think, like a... Or something. But we somehow got talking about dinosaurs. He loves dinosaurs. So we had big, long talk, a big, long conversation about our favorite dinosaurs and like how big they were and what size brains they had. And then he was trying to compare some dinosaur to what he kept calling sostrich. Sostrich? He's like, what's the word? Sostrich. Sostrich? Sostrich. And I was like, no, 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 no. You mean ostrich? And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sostrich. (laughs) Like, no, 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 no. It's like an artisanal brand of like just bird sausage. I know. Sostrich. Exactly. Exactly. So that's what I keep thinking about now is like (laughs) some marketing of, you know, ostrich meat, which I know people eat to get back to eating, you know, odd bird meat, but ugh, sostrich. Odd bird meat. (laughs) OBM. (laughs) Culinary expertise include... OBM. So, okay. So, wait a minute. Is that it? Is that your animal encounter? That's my animal encounter. You encountered a a non existent sostrich. A gentleman was talking about the ostrich, but you heard sostrich. No, he was saying sostrich. English is by no means his first language. Um, He was doing his best. But Sostridge it was, and I was there for it. Yeah. All right. Well, let's see. It, it could also just be like an ostrich, but instead of those big feathers, it just has like sausages, just like yeah. links just draped over itself. My take on it was that it's just an ostrich. It's a normal ostrich, but he's covered in some sort of like hollandaise. <laughs> <laughs> A you're thinking of an ostrich benedict <laughs> exactly thank you you're welcome you know i teed you up and you you hit it out of the park thank you anytime <laughs>
Texana you. Texana we. Texana who? Texana me. Kingdom. Animalia. That means all animals. Phylum. Chordata. They have backbones. Class. Mammalia. All mammals. Order. Lagomorpha. Rabbits, hares, and picas. Family. Leporidae. Just rabbits and hares. Genus. Silvilicus. Cottontails. Species. Silvilicus aquaticus. Fuzzy. Flurry. Fluffy. Swamp rabbit. <laughs> swamp rabbit. Yeah, the swamp rabbit. That's what I'm here to talk to you about today. What the hell is a swamp rabbit? Well, the swamp rabbit is also called the marsh rabbit or the cane cutter. The cane cutter. The cane cutter. That sounds like something you'd get at like Home Depot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh it's you there's a weed whacker, there's a cane cutter. There's a lawnmower. There's a rototiller. Oh, a rototiller. Yeah. Those mm-hmm. are pretty serious. They are. That's how you aerate the land. Look, it's the largest of the cottontail species, but it has ears that are smaller than the other cottontails. So it's kind of a fun looking rabbit. So they're not like floppy ears. No, they're like short little cute perky ears. Oh, <laughs> Um, and the the males are slightly larger than the females. Okay. So the males are four to five and a half pounds. Okay. And the women are like three and a half. The la- ladies are like three and a half to like six pounds. I think if that's if they're like pregnant. Okay. But they, you know, it's very slight. Okay. And so then they're <laughs> about like 16 inches, which is about the size of like a floor tom. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. To or about, a medium pizza here in New York. <laughs> yeah. A large? It'd be like a small. No, a small is like 12. But like a large is like 20,000 inches. <laughs> they're not that big. Okay. No, they're not. Good, good. But they do get that big. They get to be about 22, which is a, about the size of like a, a drum set, ba- a typical drum set based drum, or like a pizza. Like I would say, like an extra large pizza. Okay. Maybe like a sheet pizza. That's big. It's big. That's right. But still yeah. only like six pounds. So like, you know, slender, agile. Okay. Like, you know, cutting through that cane. Man, that, that rabbit can really cut some cane if you know what I mean. <laughs> the swamp rabbits are usually like brown and black, like a rusty brown or like a black. Like they're dark colors. But the throat, ventral surface and tail are white. Hence, cottontail, right? It's got, got a it. white tail. Wait a minute. What's a ventral surface? I'm so sorry to keep interrupting you. No, it's okay. So the ventral surface is kind of the like chest, pectoral, stomach area. Got it. I think there's like dorsal, which would be like your back. Okay. Where your dorsal fin would go. Mm-hmm. And so ventral's the other side of that. That's why we don't hear about ventral fins. Yeah, or maybe we just don't know about them. Because, again, we're not experts. I mean, they might, those little flippy flips, like, might be ventral fins. I really have no idea. Okay, okay. I'm no fish expert. I don't know know anything about fish. I don't either. They have this cute little cinnamon-colored ring around their eyes, though, these swamp rabbits. Um, And then, you know, just, like, more, like, brownish. They're just brown and black, really. They live an average of... Like about two years. Oh. Um, but if everything's perfect, they'll like live to like age nine. Whoa. So it's oh, okay. They could be either two 
Up to nine. Yeah. That's a big span. I think that clearly most of them do not really get that old. I think you need like a really ideal situation for them to live up to nine years old. Yeah. Because you may be wondering, does the swamp rabbit live in swamps? Uh, Yeah. And the answer is yes, naturally it does. Okay. Goodness. So they live in this like, you know, the Gulf Coast, the South Central area, like the Louisianas, the Mississippis, the Alabamas. Florida's. Yeah, like over into Georgia and then into Texas. And then okay. they kind of like go north to like the southern tip of Illinois, you know? All right. So like a little bit of like Kentucky and, you know, that part of the world. Got it. Like a Tennessee moment. Mm-hmm. They live under the cover of thickets, stumps, and fallen trees. And they make their nests out of grass and twigs under a brush or a uh, pile or log. Are rabbit dens a thing or is that like a fox thing? Um, well, I would think that a den would have to be like some sort of like burrow underground or some sort of like cave situation. And that's not in my research. Okay. <laughs> on the Switch, swamp wish. rabbit. Um, I didn't see anything about that. They make, they make their nests like under logs or like, you know, under piles of brush. More like found homes. More like found homes. Yes. Exactly. HGTV's newest show. HGTV's found home. (laughs) Um, So they, like me, spend most of their daytime undercover and they emerge at dusk to forage. You do forage at dusk, don't you? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I've been called worse things than a (laughs) dusk forager. Um, I do like to eat, you know, after the sun has gone down, though. Me too. Uh, so these little these little uh, rabbit pals are uh, herbivores. They eat grass, sedges, shrubs, twigs, tree seedlings, and tree bark. Gosh darn it, Mike! What is a sedge? A sedge is a type of swamp grass. It's it's grass like. Okay. And, you know, and uh, it's related to other swamp grasses. Got it. Okay. Say no more. I have nothing more to <laughs> say. <laughs> <laughs> about sedges, it turns out. That's the limit of my sedge knowledge. That's all I needed. Um, they are, however, hunted by American alligators. Okay, that makes sense. Raptors. Like the dinosaur? Like the birds. <gasps> Bobcats. Gray mm-hmm. foxes. Mm-hmm. Coyotes. <laughs> snakes. Doggos. <gasps> Not doggos. Yeah, I know. Doggos yes, love. Doggos. I uh, yeah. What dog have you ever met that would not be excited to catch a swamp rabbit like in the wild? Uh, nary a dog. Yeah. I think even those even those east side dogs would be down for a swamp rabbit chase. Yeah, they'd go slumming. They would. They'd just be well, they'd probably like wait and see if somebody else did it for them. Yeah. But like when <laughs> if it came to it, they would. <laughs> east side dogs. And then um, also humans. What do they want to do with them? Well, it's mostly like for meat and the pelts. I bet that's a, I bet it's a very warm, soft pelt. Yeah, because the swamp gets pretty chilly, <laughs> especially in the south. <laughs> Maybe not. Maybe not. I don't know. I mean, it's it. You know, I like the cinnamon eye ring moment. Maybe their coloration is you know. I'm sure rabbit fur is warm. I don't know. I've never really owned a fur coat. Um, I won't comment on that. <laughs> here. Um, I was given one, um, but that's for another day. 
That can be an upcoming animal encounter. First time I bust out that fur coat. It could also be like deferred and you could just wear the the skin as like a loincloth or something. Sure. Yeah. Sort of like um, emergency rabbit. Undies. I need a loincloth. What am I going to do? I guess I'm just going to have to kill a swamp rabbit and skin it and make a loincloth. Yeah. Yeah. It would definitely work for that. Okay. That makes more sense for like the Everglades-y vibe we've got going here. Sure. Yeah. Are you saying that like the pelt doesn't make sense in a jacket, but it makes sense in a loincloth? Well, it the size of it. You'd have to have multiple pelts to make a jacket, whereas you'd probably only need, I mean, depending on what you're trying to cover, you'd probably only need one swamp rabbit pelt as a loincloth. You know, I'm just going to go ahead and, and reiterate that the average um, swamp rabbit is, is between 16 and 22 inches in length. So I think that, uh, I think that yeah, I think that's probably enough for for nearly every human. Okay, good. Speaking of, there are some stereotypes about rabbits. Okay. And it's that they reproduce fiercely. Oh, yes. And that they're very, very busy in that regard. Oh. (laughs) Well, I found out that these rabbits, they are synchronous breeders. Well, (laughs) let me tell you what that means. Because I know you're confused. So that means that they like all as a, you know, as a rabbit society, Uh they all kind of reproduce at the same time. So all of a sudden there's there's like it's not like, well, Sheila had a litter and then like Rita had a litter and then like Becky had a litter. But they were all like spaced out over like three months, say it's like. Everybody's just dropping babies all at once. Okay. So there's all of a sudden a lot of babies. Okay. And when they come into the world, they are altricial. It's A-L-T-R-I-C-I-A-L. Okay. I think that sounds right. Altricial. So it means that they can't fend for themselves. Like their eyes aren't open. They have to be like fed and like they just kind of you know the stereotype of the baby birds just like going like you know <laughs> yeah or like little you know baby cats just like and they just you know need to be bottle fed and their eyes open after a couple days yeah it's like 10 days with kittens four to seven for the swamp rabbit wow and the young leave the nest after about two weeks oh wow okay that's pretty fast right it's pretty fast yeah and um they reach sexual maturity <laughs> after 23 weeks. Okay. So the breeding season, it does vary widely, but it's mostly between like February and August, but there are some places where it can be year round. So that's the thing. It's like these, they just, they can just pop out these litters of like six babies. like, And it all happens like at once. Yeah. So there's just like mad bunnies all coming to sexual maturity around the same time. Yeah. So that's maybe where this... And then they just go crazy and they just, like, make it happen. All right. Go on, bunnies. Yeah. Do your thing. Good for you, rabbits. <laughs> um, rabbits. So I want to talk a little bit about uh, lagomorphs, the rabbit hairs and pikas. Okay. So we've talked extensively before about rodents. 
Just like personally. Yes. Because <laughs> uh, the thing about the rodents is that they have the two teeth, the two continually growing teeth or two sets of teeth maybe that have to be kept short by gnawing. Right. That's why you have to like give your rodent pets like things to chew. Right. Otherwise their teeth just kind of like just keep growing. So rabbits are not rodents. So they don't have that. Okay. They're lagomorphs. Um, okay. Yeah, obviously. Duh. Right. And <laughs> like pikas are like kind of rabbit like they look like rabbits without all the rabbit features. <laughs> <laughs> they look like kind of like a cross between like a rabbit and a and like you know some rodent. Okay, I'm trying to picture it. Yeah, it's I don't know. I'm gonna have to Google some Pikas. Well, there's Pikachu. That's the one that everybody knows. But I don't know how similar Pikachu is to any other Pika. That look, but he looks like a little yellow cat. Yeah, I, these are more like Chihuahua like Pikas oh. in general. Okay. Are you having Pika success? The first thing that comes up is craving and chewing substances that have no nutritional value, such as ice, clay, soil, or paper. Oh, it's like an eating disorder? <laughs> yeah, it's some sort of... Cool. Yeah. Are you spelling it right? It's P-I-K-A. Nope, I was not. Okay. Oh, this one has like... Uh, this one has flowers in its mouth. Like it's bringing a little bouquet home to its, <laughs> its family look. Yeah, Pikas are freaking cute. Oh yeah, I've seen that photo. That is adorable. This one's doing it too. What is their what's their thing? They like love fresh flowers in the home. I don't know. I don't know anything <gasps> about pikas. What a cute little guy. Oh my god, they're like all <laughs> I gotta stop. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's okay. Pikas are super cute. Super it's, cute. I you know, I, when I was choosing my animal, I was like, I wanna do a mammal. And then I was just like, I don't know, I was feeling some rabbit energy. But then I, I ended up on a bit of a pika. I went down a rabbit hole, if you will, <laughs> with the pikas because they're pretty adorable. There are some like Asian ones that live on the, you know, steps of mountains and yeah. stuff. And they're just like, they look really cute. Oh, I love them. Oh, that one with the flowers in his mouth. I know. <laughs> so back to the swamp rabbit. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So rival males will get into fisticuffs and just fight, you know, to prove that they're the biggest and toughest what yeah you know that happened yeah i guess it is like of kind of part of the animal kingdom um so i thought that was also fun and i guess my response to your martha is i have a a, a name unknown famous swamp rabbit of stop it herstory in the good state of georgia in 1979 then President Jimmy Carter was yeah. paddling about in a boat. I <laughs> believe it was like his property, but maybe not. He famously had to get rid of the peanut farm, right? But it was in his hometown of Plains, Georgia, okay. which is in the same county as Americus, Georgia. I have a friend from Americus. <laughs> Americus. And this rabbit jumped into the water and swam over to the boat. What? What did he want in the boat? Well, they don't know. They he wanted to meet that, the president. They thought that he was like going berserk or something. And it just, he just, I think he was maybe scared. 
maybe he was being chased by hounds. There's conflicting reports as to what was happening. Okay. But the rabbit ended up in the water and was swimming up to the boat. And I mean, remember, these things are 16 to 22 inches long, right? It's a substantial rabbit and it's frantic. And like anybody in the boat is just going to kind of take the paddle and like splash it at, yeah. the, you know, get out of here, get out of here get you get rabbit. And so the entourage happened to be filming this event. So there's this really great still photo of then President Jimmy Carter in a rowboat flipping water with the paddle <laughs> as this like very clear image of the rabbit with his like head and his little paws above the water is like oh. swimming. So, you know, there you go. There's your, the you know, presidential encounter with a with a berserk rabbit and it became a bit of a like pop cultural touchstone um (laughs) i know there was like there was a there were a couple songs written about it like dave barry thought it was hilarious and talked about it all the time and um yeah the the attack of the killer the killer rabbit they made like a poster like i think in like the staff room and it was jaws but instead of jaws it was paws instead of a shark it was a rabbit is amazing that's so cute. The 70s were kind of a crazy time. I, I wish I'd seen them. No, I don't. I'm fine. Yeah, I'm also fine. <laughs> and that's that concludes my information sesh. Swamp rabbit. Swamp, swamp rabbit. rabbit. Swamp <laughs> rabbit. What noise do rabbits make? They just kind of go like. How annoying is that? <laughs> Ew. All right, let's take a break. Cool. Hey, Karen. Hey, Samantha. How's my fave bottlenose sister from another porpoise? I'm dolphin-tastic, Karen. How are you? I'm a little down in the dumps, Samantha. I'm having trouble controlling my jealousy of humans, since when they swim, they get to wear those cool-looking snorkels and stay underwater while they breathe. Well, Karen, I've got some great news for you that will help turn that dolphin frown upside down. Brand Clubby just introduced Blowhole Extenders, the first line of snorkels specifically designed for cetaceans of all sizes and temperaments. Well, I'll be. So I can finally rock a super cool snorkel when I'm swimming with the humans? Will it really help me stay underwater longer? Well, that's the whole point of snorkels. Looking cool is just a pleasant side effect. Oh, Samantha, I'm so happy I could do a barrel roll. You should, Karen, but remember to keep an even keel when wearing your new blowhole extender to avoid filling it with water. We're just going to log on to AOL. That means animals online. For this next segment that we like to call Animal Animal Memes. So I actually came across this today, and it's essentially, it's, there's nothing really going on in the video other than it's a tight shot of an otter, okay? And it's kind of like all matted down because he's wet. But then he holds up a shaky little paw. He holds it up and it's like shaky, but he looks like he's making like a petting motion. Uh-huh. Like, oh, oh, making a petting motion. And then he takes his paw up by his head and makes the petting motion on his head. Trying to get the human that's filming him to pet no him. No way. He's like, do this to me now. Yes. Oh and it's my God. So like sweet the way he does it. It's not like aggressive. Like he's holding up this timid, shaky little paw, like, you, you do this, me. <laughs> you touch heads and move your hand on my head. <laughs> it's just like the sweetest fucking thing I've ever seen. It sounds pretty dreamy. It is really cute. He's so cute. 
What's yours, Mike? Mine is this really cute picture of this tiger, and he is Tai-Tai. Oh, a Tai-Tai tiger? A Tai-Tai tiger, and he is taking a nap, but instead of a pillow, he's using a kind of strangely formed pumpkin, (laughs) and it's both seasonally appropriate and (laughs) adorable, and like, I mean, I don't think it's too early for, you know, look, Live your pumpkin journey, and if, like, it's September 3rd and you want to be, you know, celebrating your gourd life, that's fine. <laughs> I think every I think we can have two months of, like, pumpkin fun. I think that's fine. It's fine. I think if it's after Labor Day, you can stop wearing white shoes and start celebrating pumpkins. And I just have to say that that's exactly what this tiger is doing. Oh, oh, that is cute. I know. Do you want to know what he's dreaming about? What is he dreaming about? He's dreaming about his Halloween costume. <gasps> What's his Halloween costume? Well, he's going to go as the tiger from the 11th um, hour, the animated children's book from my childhood, where the tigers wear tuxedos. Oh, Graham and, Base? Yeah. Graham yeah. Base, yes. I know it well. Yes. I loved my grandma lived in Gula Gulch, Ooh, I don't which know was about one. the outback. It's like animals on the outback. Ooh. Of Australia. You got to be careful in Australia. I know. They will kill you. They will fuck you up. Yeah, all those animals are just going to come for you. Those k- kookaburras sit in the old gum tree. Yeah, the platypus has venom in its spines. What? I was reading about the platypus because I, I don't know. I was on a... Mike, save know, it. <laughs> but no, it's poisonous. The platypus is poisonous. It's like the weirdest animal ever. It's like it, it it's like a joke. It's got a duck bill. It's like furry. It likes eggs and it's got venom. Yeah, it's um. I'm not sure what part of the taxonomy. Maybe it's the. It's like order is like monotreme. I don't know. Yeah. I think it's just like I think the family is like God's joke. <laughs> <laughs> yes, agreed. Okay, look at this. Look at this. Oh, there otter. he is. He showed oh, up. Little... He's like, no, pet me. He's the just shaky waving. little he's paw. Like, he's like, this is how you do it. Isn't it sweet? Oh my god. He's literally he's patting his little head. He's being like, do it. Oh. And then the person does and he's like, Yeah, that's exactly what I meant. Like I told you. Oh that oh that shaky little paw. What a cute guy. Makes me melt. So that concludes this week's meeting of the Animal Fan Club. Animal Fan Club is created and produced by us, Meredith Jurgens and Mike Luno. We also create all our original music and sonic experiences. Follow us on Instagram at Animal Fan Club Pod. Send us your listener feedback questions to animalfanclubpod at gmail.com. We're both on Instagram at Meredith Jurgens and at Mike underscore Luno. And don't forget to rate and review our podcast on your favorite app. That really helps us out. Thanks for listening to our show. We hope it makes your heart and spirit glow. We'll be here next week for another meeting of the Animal Fan Club.